you know, first of all, first and foremost, we got to dedicate this episode to the one and only Cicely Tyson. Cicely Tyson came to the Red Rooster many, many times. And every time I had a chance to sit down and talk to her, it was just an incredible privilege. And I thought about her days as opening the doors in Hollywood, being married to Miles Davis, always setting the standard for black excellence. We thank you, Miss Cicely Tyson, for everything you've done for us. Okay. No, on, the, on this side. Oh, yeah. And the levels are good and everything? Yeah, those are good. Okay, cool. No. Mm -hmm. All right, talk to me. What's up, everybody? My name is Chef Marcus Samson. And as you're listening to this moment, you know that my co-pilot and I, Jason Diakite, always talk about our stories, the black stories, helping unpacking creativity from the diaspora and how we really articulate ourselves. It goes in so many different ways. Jason being a rapper, me being a chef. I want to talk to you today about The Rise, the cookbook that really talks about black excellence and that we're not monolithic. You know, there's five original cuisines in America, all stem from the black diaspora. Low country, southern, what we refer as to soul food, Cajun Creole, that both come from New Orleans, and of course, barbecue. When you think about the authorship of American food, black history is almost written out of it. When we wrote The Rise, the opportunity that Osai, my co-writer and I, was to really to filling those gaps, to rewrite history, to give true authorship to the people who actually created a big part of America's food, but definitely black food in America. Black food is definitely not monolithic. You can really experience black food through immigration. I'm an example of that with Ethiopian roots and Swedish roots, or through the great migration, right? Coming from the South, coming up to the North. And today's guest. Kwame Onwachi is an amazing chef, and his story goes from Nigeria to the Bronx, to Texas, to Virginia, to the Caribbean, right? Both through Trinidad and Jamaica. So when I talk about the Kwame, it's multi-layered, multifaceted. Ah, he's an example of what black excellence can look like today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning into this moment. Today, we have a very distinguished and special guest, the amazing chef Kwame Onwachi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> more fire, more fire. 
I'm, I'm honored <laughs> to be here. I'm honored to be yeah. here. It's always good to be here. Kwame, tell us, uh, being a chef, I'm a chef, 2020 is behind us. How was it for you? How did you navigate? You know, how do you feel? It was, um, it was tough. I mean, let me just put it straight out there. It was tough, you know, especially in the beginning. You tried to remain strong, you tried to hold on, tried to keep going. You know, the buzzword pivot. Um, mm-hmm. But it was hard to realize that this is our life. And this is what the new normal is going to look like. And we, and it's going to be a long time before it's like, oh, what do you want to do? It's, it's Saturday. Let's go to the movies. Like, it, it, oh. you know, like, or like, let's go bar hopping. Like, there's, it's going to be a long time before we get back to that. And there was a denial that happened in the beginning. I was like, oh, this thing is going to be over in a couple months. We'll be back to it. Oh, it'll be over in six months. We'll be back to it. Oh, we'll just be outside. And then things kept happening. You know what I mean? The, the realization mm-hmm. of racial inequality, you know, uh, and it was like, boom, okay, we're, 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 we're strapped in. The election, okay, we're strapped in. Mm-hmm. Um, another lockdown, another wave of COVID. And it was like one thing after the other. And I'm, that's not even talking about a business aspect of anything. That's just mm-hmm. being a, a citizen of the world. <laughs> we're just watching the news of, of, of how we are going to have to live our life moving forward. That was probably the toughest part of it all. And it's, I'm thinking just for chefs, just like for myself, who's a mu- musician, you know, going on stage uh, kind of needs a live audience to happen. Just like a chef, you know, you need, uh, you need, you need clients, you need diners to serve the food too. How, how has, how's work been for you? What new avenues has, uh, has your cre- creativity led you on because of the pandemic? Well, luckily, you know, I was getting bit by the ownership bug, you know, and I think Chef, mm-hmm. Chef Marcus can speak to this. When you get to a certain point in your career as a chef, you know, you want to have ownership of every single aspect. You know, you want to mm-hmm. have creative control of how people are answering the phones to like <laughs> how, uh, I don't know, a welcome letter looks coming from HR. And if you don't have that full control, then it's never really yours. And if you get to a certain point in your career where your name is on the marquee and the optics look like this is yours 100%, then it needs to feel that way inside. So I was getting to that breaking point as a chef. You know, I started my career really young and I was ready to have complete ownership and complete creative control on how I wanted my restaurants to be. So I got out of the restaurant game like in the beginning of COVID in search for my own restaurant. And I even moved to New York to start my own restaurant. And then obviously the, the pandemic is still going on right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so for me, I'd like to say I got out at the right time, but also um, I had to find other ways to um, monetize this, this, this skill, this craft that I have. So, you know, it shifted more towards brand partnerships and writing, you know, and going more into media and creating, you know, my own platforms uh, for my own voice. And it's that same feels of wanting ownership in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. I want ownership Mm -hmm. within my brand now. So it's shifted to outside of those four walls. It's now into the world. And now I'm taking control of the way that I'm being represented in every single sector. Hold up a second. So Kwame Famiri is incredible, but he's also great representation of the next generation of chefs. I see a lot of myself in Kwame. We both have lineage and history in Africa. You know, it's just also very different, right? When I was coming up, most chefs, you know, that bad backs worked for a very long time, anonymously, maybe even a little belly. Kwame's fit, 
like an athlete. He's strong. He's handsome like an actor, right? And he can spit. He can rap. You know, he has so many other skills. And he's also incredible sensibilities in terms of the food that he creates. He thinks about how he worked with his mother. You know, they work together sometimes on dishes and that back and forth. Your mother, a strong black woman that had to change careers, mm -hmm. started a catering company. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about your mom's catering company and how did you pitch in and, you know, <laughs> tell me what you were doing coming up. Yeah, I mean, we had to do everything to help out in the house. You know, it was, it was me, my mom, and my sister. That was yeah. it. And um, so early on, it was a lot of, hey, if you're going to be in this house, you're going to work. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm five years old. What do you mean? I got to work, you know? But it was like, we got to, we all have to pitch in. It was like a tribe mentality. So, um, if you know, there was a bag of onions that need to be chopped for, for the Trinity that went in a lot of different dishes. Yep. And I was chopping all those onions. If I had to peel all the shrimp for, for shrimp stock, for gumbo and etouffee and things like that, then I had to do that. If I had to take turns stirring the roux, um, you know, till it got that really nice chocolatey color. Yes. Um, I had to jump in and do that no matter how old I was. And I was too young to go out on events. So I would stay home and I would be home with all this like leftover mise en place. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really my action figures. That was yeah. my Nickelodeon, you know? Yeah. Your roots are widespread to both Trinidad, Jamaica, but also Nigeria. Texas. What kind of food? What kind of food did you eat when you uh, when you grew up? It seems like it could have been any number of fusions and dishes, from like a goosey soup to jerk chicken. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what it was, brother. That's yeah. exactly what yeah. it was. You know, yeah. it could be any anything on a given day. And then my mother was a chef, so then she was inquisitive about other cuisines, yeah. and mm -hmm. we'd go out to eat at different restaurants. Being you know, Manhattan was our was our backyard. So, um, uh, my you know, my grandfather, you know. He he's Trinidadian. Um, oh. he, he just passed away. He's the one who oh, always gives sorry me these to hear that. Yeah, it's all right. You know, he he lived a really really long long great life, and he was he had cancer, so he was like in a lot of pain. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he gave me my first introduction to curry goat and roti when I was uh -huh, like, uh -huh. I I remember being in my mom's arm, and then him like folding the roti up and putting a piece of goat in there and dipping it in sauce and putting it in my mouth. And it was like this explosion of flavors yes, yes, <laughs> at yes. a very young age, you know? And then I go to my father's house and it's a goosey soup, you know, which is another explosion of flavors. Yeah, that, yeah. A goosey is this amazing sort of watermelon seeds that is toasted off. And, and, and maybe it looks like pepitas, like pumpkin seeds. Uh, but I just, that bitterness of that soup has and the flavor. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the Creole side and it's like gumbo and peeling meat shrimp and etouffee and, and wow. creole. So like, honestly, it could go either way. Miami Banco Mio, Madupe. Miami Banco Mio, Madupe. I'm really curious to find out about you were sent to Nigeria at the age of 10. Tell us about that experience, coming from the Bronx and being dropped into Nigeria uh, at the age of 10 must have been mind-blowing. You know, growing up in the Bronx, um, it's pretty easy. There's a lot of cards stacked against you um, mm. to, to fail. And there's not a lot of fail-safe systems. 
you know, like other other cultures have, you know, where there are people to catch you. And and I had my mom, you know, and mm -hmm. she was still that peace love. Like, you know, you'll figure it out when you're supposed to figure it out. You're not a horrible person. You're not meant to be in a body bag or a jail cell. We're going to get you right. She actually told me I was going on a two week vacation to Nigeria. And I got there and I quickly realized it was not a vacation at all. <laughs> actually, like two months into it, supposed to come back to to go to school. School starts in New York City in like September. I'm like, Ma, what's up? Like, <laughs> when am I coming back? I, I get it. Two weeks stretched a little bit. And she was like, no, son, you're not you're not coming back until you learn respect and you learn to appreciate what you have here in America. There's so many opportunities that you're you're squandering. Um, even at this age, I was 10 years old. And um, yeah, I had to I had to go to school. I mean, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have running water. Yes, uh, we yes. had to walk to school. We wore these like bright uniforms. <laughs> um, if you didn't do your homework, you got seven lashes. If you got into a fight, you had to dig your own height. It was just like, it was a crazy stark contrast to what schooling system in, in America is, where, where also I wasn't looked at as the troubled black kid. I was just looked at as a child. Because everyone there is black. <laughs> so it's like, there wasn't that like, oh, you're the troublemaker. Uh, you know, let me watch out for this kid. You know, what teachers would literally say to me and stuff here in America. Um, I wasn't that anymore. So I was able to be free and was able to just genuinely be myself. Give us a little bit more about the smells, the food, uh. the music. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the most distinct things about West Africa is the smell of it. Mm. I, th I don't know how to describe it other than like toasted clay or something oh, like, wow, nice. you know, like it has this very, very soothing smell as soon as you step off the plane and maybe mixed with a little bit of petroleum or something. I, I don't know, but it's like <laughs> the smell is something that I can never forget. Um, this toastiness in the air. Um, and and that it heat. was just in the in the heat in the heat depending on the yeah. day you know depending on if it's rainy season or not but it's like mm -hmm. i think louisiana is way hotter than than yeah. <laughs> nigeria i'll tell you that much because of the humidity but uh, you know the thing that i take away from are the thing that like is singed in my brain are the smiles the okay. smiles of people and how they're genuine and you know, outsiders come in to Nigeria and they look in and they're like, oh, you know, this is how they're living, yada, yada, yada. And for me, it's like, yeah, they've been living like this for, for centuries. They're fine. They're happy. They actually have a sense of community as well, which we don't have um, for the most part in most places. So I think the smiles are so genuine and people are like, when, when they're actually happy, they're happy. When they're mad, they're mad. But like, there's this there's this beauty and um this symbiotic relationship of the earth to the people there that i can see on their faces daily and that's the thing that sticks out for me um and that's why i love going back to nigeria that's why i love going to jamaica you can see that in certain places where people are just so the earth is happy with the people and the people are happy with the earth and there's this like this beautiful relationship between the two this moment this moment 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Kwame and I also worked recently together on a campaign for Uber Eats where we really highlight black excellence and black restaurants and black chefs. And it's together, you know, we're building towards this business matters matching fund to drive revenue and broadcast the stories of black chefs. And it's those type of initiatives that's going to keep that local mom and pop, but also the next generation and the present generations of black entrepreneurship in the hospitality industry going because these are tough times. Can I can I ask you to since you two, uh, you know, black chefs in America, how noticeable has it been in your respective careers that the expectancy if you're a black chef that you cook black food? Like how how has it been like stepping outside of that? Like. Are you are you allowed to like no I I cook you know French cuisine or no I'm making you know like how how pigeonholed uh, are you would you say you know by the industry Well I can um, I could answer it sort of in, in two ways right because uh, if you think about the journey of, of black chefs 
up until basically 10, 15 years ago, was completely anonymous. Mm-hmm. Right? We did the work. We didn't get the credit. We cooked great food, but that food was never honored or acknowledged or rarely acknowledged in traditional mainstream media. So there was tons of great black cooks and chefs in these establishments like Wall of Astoria or in, in famous restaurants, but they were anonymous labor, right? That changed, I think, changed on a couple of levels, right? But I do think it changed with internet because the gatekeeping is just different, right? You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to write The Rise was to do documenting the past, looking at the present, but also acknowledging the future. And, 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 and Kwame is that. He is the uh-huh. leading young black chef in America. And at some point, you're going to put black in the parenthesis and you're going to put young in parenthesis. And he's going to be the leading chef in America. Right? So he's doing right now, he's, he's getting to that place. And that place is, you know, he's navigating, right? And it's awkward when you go through it. But once he gets there, which he will get to, it's going to be incredible. But some, my journey couldn't have happened if, you know, laws, civil rights laws, right? I'm in the intersection of immigration and black civil rights laws that changed. So I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. But, you know, there were so many incredible black chefs cooking other people's food without getting knowledge for that. One of the great examples that is someone like Eric Estelle, who worked at Le Bernardin for 25 years, and he's an amazing technician, uh, and just now getting that acknowledgement. Now, because of chefs like Kwame, because of chefs like Mashama, and so on, I can go through the whole list, now people can pull up, do their food, have a strong narrative, and push it out. And that, we're better for that, because there's also food writers of colors on the other side. Before you maybe had the chef, but you didn't have the food writers. So let's pause that for a second. This moment where we're in right now, where you have incredible like black food editors, writers like Tony Tipton Martin, Osai, you have Don Davis at Bon Appetit, you have chefs out of the rise, you know, incredible like Rodney Scott, Kwame, Isha, you know, these are chefs that's going to be one name, household names with America soon. I couldn't imagine this whole moment. Such a big, yes, that's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of negative. But one of the most incredible things that happened over the last six months since launching the rise is the growth of black food in America, the awareness. And I just want to build on that. And I thank the Eduardo Jordans, the Nina Compton, the Melba Wilson, and so on for, you know, locking arms and we're on a movement and on a journey together. You know, cooking is just like music. If you're spitting, but there's no hip hop writers, right? Mm-hmm. If the rock and roll writers mm-hmm. documenting what you're doing, Jason, no one there on the other side. And then there's an audience that doesn't understand it. But I, I, I get so passionate about this, I'm just going to fall back <laughs> and be quiet. <laughs> you know, for me, I think people are going to be pigeonholed regardless. That's it. A majority of people see a Korean person that is wearing a chef coat. They're going to think that they're cooking Korean food. That's just it. But you have to cook whatever food you want to cook. And you can't let other people's uh, depiction, other people's depictions of you guide what you have to do. 
when I think, do we have to cook the food of our people? No. Is it harder when we don't? Yes. Because you're always defending yourself of why you're cooking this food. And people are always asking, like, how do you start cooking Italian food? And it's like, oh, man, I spent some time in Italy. I don't know shit. I like to cook Italian food. And you're always defending yourself. But uh-huh. it's not impossible. It's not impossible by any means. You know, I think, you know, Chef Marcus is, is a great example of that, coming to America and, and cooking his food and, you know, being uh, the youngest chef in America to ever get a Michelin star, you know? So, like, it's not impossible, for sure. Um, it's, it's definitely tough. It's tough, you know, but I think anything that's worth having is, isn't easy. I looked at Jean-Michel Basquiat and I always thought about what did the art world look like when Michel stepped into it, you know, in the early 80s. And his career was so short. Sometimes I looked at sports, you know, I looked at Yannick Noir or, or even Arthur Ashe that came before that. And that's how I looked at myself in food. But I knew there was something else. I knew there must have been incredible food in Africa because Africa is much older than Europe. So you kind of have to always hold on to your own idea, your own identity. And um, I knew I had just had, if I got to America, I knew I would eventually find it. And once I got to America and met Edna Lewis, and met Miss Leah Chase and Sylvia Woods, Alberta Wright, the incredible, you know, legacy of majority black women that were icons in their community. And at the same time, I was also part of this other world, this other chef world, highly male-dominated, uh, white male-dominated, European sensibility. But I didn't want to hide my food. And eventually I left. I left Aquavit, I left Midtown and came to Harlem. And that's eventually when I came home. You know, and I, I want to tell a story. You know, when, when I started my catering company, I used to have... I used to try to get out of the projects to like uh-huh. have to get my mind in a different space. So I would go to different restaurants and one restaurant I would go to all the time was Red Booster. And I would sit in the corner in the morning, get like a cheddar biscuit, you know, some some tea. And I would just watch Chef Marcus conduct his meetings, talk to his staff. And this is when I was like, I don't know, I had to be like 20 years old, 19. And, you know, he would say hello to me, you know, it was a very quick passing. But for me, it was like, there wasn't a lot of black representation in the food media besides him or, um, mm-hmm. or, or, or in general that were getting like praise for what they were doing. And I just knew that if I, I could just see it, I could achieve it. If I can right. just see him, it's, he's a human being. He has digits, you know, like he, he has arms, he puts his shoes on just like I do. He gets up out of his chair. I would watch him eat. He'd <laughs> be like, okay, he's eating like a regular person. Okay, cool. This is, this is all attainable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As a young, he's as a immortal. young, he's immortal yeah. as a young chef coming up. And mm. that for me was probably the biggest motivation ever. Mm. It was just seeing, seeing the physical person doing something right. that I aspired to do one day. Opening the why opening Red Rooster, how we did it, it's very important. I wanted the jobs to stay in our community. I wanted the ambitions and dreams to be in our community. And Kwame was one of those young ones that came early and sat and listened and took notes. But it was also about having that open kitchen because so many black chefs for generations have worked that anonymous life just doing and never get acknowledged. 
So for me, it was important to have a big open kitchen so the staff was seen, so the customer can see who made their food. That that could be, you know, the auntie down the street. That could be the person you sit next to on the train. She's a queen at Red Rooster. She's a hero. Acknowledge her. Say hi. Say what's up next time. Your book. Tell us about why and how, and it also is going to become a film. So tell wow. us that journey. So just to clarify for for our listeners, the uh, Kwame's book is called Notes from a Young Black Chef. So the book, you know, really came about. I used to give these speeches, a lot of motivational speeches, like in the Bronx and in, you know, because. Especially like six years ago, I looked like a high school student. Is when I shave, I look like a high school student. So, with talking to the youth, you know, they're able to like really understand me a little bit more. And actually, I spoke to a kid at Food and Finance High School that I ended up ended up going to work for you um, at Red Rooster. Um, and I told him, you know, that he, sh- he should go there, and if he wants to re- take his craft seriously, there's a restaurant right in his backyard that he can work at. But one time, I did a. a, a the biggest one, I think it was like a thousand people. And there was a literary agent in the crowd. And she was like, have you ever thought about writing your story down? And I was like, whoa, how much is going to cost me? And she was like, I get paid, so you get paid. <laughs> Mama touch your right. Mama touch your yeah. right. <laughs> she said, how much? I don't get paid, so you get paid. I'm like, all right, bet. Let's do it. So we, mm-hmm. I, wrote, I wrote a book proposal and, and we sold it and it ended up morphing. And the book actually was, was called Chasing Happiness in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then all the realities of America started to come out and like the, my childhood trauma started to come out and it became this, this tale of this, not, it wasn't a Cinderella story. It was a real life American story. There's ups and downs. There's lots of failures. There's a little bit of wins, you know? Um, and it morphed into the book that it is today. And then, it, you know, I got hit up by age 24 uh, to turn it into a movie, which is pretty amazing. We start filming in the summertime. You know, it's really impressive at such a young age that you that you, you know, put that energy into and created your memoir and told your story. You know, that's just obviously that's just the beginning of the story, you know, because it's still ongoing for many more years. The book is also talking about small wins, but the book is also always on the Red Rooster shelf. Good yeah. company. You got Tony Tipton Martin on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got some amazing Jessica Harris books on that shelf. So it's a very small, selective Leah Chase. And oh, man. is by That's far it. the youngest, but it, it's holding it's holding his weight, his own heavyweight. <laughs> oh, so he's, oh, he's doing all right. I appreciate it. It's, it's an honor, honor to be amongst those people. This moment. This moment. 24 months out. Mm-hmm. Where is Kwame? Are you living in LA? Is that restaurant there? Is it in New York? What does it look like? What are we going to call it? Because we're building back. I know we are. So mm-hmm. what's in your mind? Just like project out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I want I want to get back into the restaurant. I'm probably be in, I think, LA. Um, I'm really, really feeling feeling the West Coast, but we'll see. You know, we we don't even know, right? Yeah. Um, but what I, what I would like to have a restaurant in LA, I would like to have an Afro Caribbean restaurant. Nice. You know, mm. Um, mm. really, really nice and uh, and open. Lots of open air. Um, probably probably big. You know, at least 200 seats. Uh, bringing that feel of you know Afro Caribbean food in a in a in a refined setting where we can finally celebrate our culture while celebrating a special experience. You know we always have to go out to eat Italian food for an anniversary or French food or this or that. 
you know, being able to eat our food for our own experiences, I think it's something that's very, very special to me. I love that progress. I love that desire. I love that keep aiming high. That's the one thing Miss Leah Chase, rest in peace, she always told me, Marcus, aim higher. Always aim high. Mm-hmm. Can I, for closing, can I just ask, what was your grandfather's name? So rest in peace. We're going to dedicate show to your grandfather. The one that recently passed away is uh, Winston Phillips. Mm-hmm. He's from Trinidad, yes. from St. James. Mm-hmm. Um, I Parish. recently... Yeah, St. James Parish. I recently was able, right before he got diagnosed, to go with him back there. We had a film crew. He showed me his first house. He showed me where he used to play in the canals. He showed me where, you know, where where his family grew up eating roti. You know, he he took me to where he used to sleep on the beach in Tobago. You know what I mean? I was able to see and walk and and have my my toes in the same dirt that he trekked as a child. He was very influential to me. Um, he's the one who introduced me to Malcolm X. You know, we, we recently got Malcolm X uh, tattoos. Nice. So yeah. when he's, I, and I got it because I was like, man, when you're not around anymore, I want to always have you with me because he sends me yeah. these every quarter. And, uh-huh. you know, he's like, I'll always be around. And, you know, unfortunately, passed away but he's always here yes big up grandpa winston phillips i just think that kwame you for me embody so much what black food present and future will look like you know you have ties to nigeria what is the food going to look like in the continent? Young chefs in Africa are looking up to you when they see you and they want to be just like Kwame. Also here in America, it shows that you can come from the Bronx. You can live your dream. You can be part of food and you can build it. Thank you for setting the standards. Thank you for setting the example. And this shows that black excellence lives through food. You're a shining example of it, my brother. I feel like the next wave is going to be from West Africa, where not just West African American chefs are going to start using these incredible things that you find in Ghana and Nigeria, you know, or Senegal, the jollof rice, the suja sauce, you know, these incredible peanut sauces that you find more in Ghana, you know, just to mix it up because yes, they're out of West Africa, which also means they're part of American cuisine. It's just like I feel like we got le- one leg up because we know about it, but the truth is out. The secret is already found. I know the next generation of American chefs will go there. The way we've learned about kojijun from Korean food or kimchi or using mirin out of Japan and so on. And, you know, once American chefs has it, the world will have it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.